You know, there's a special relationship with, with daddies and daughters, and, and, and sometimes that plays out in, in lots of interesting ways. I heard of a conversation between a, uh, a little girl and her, her dad, and, and she, she was kind of dealing with some fears and stuff, and so she needed some reassurance from her dad, and so she started kind of a line of questioning. Daddy, Daddy, are you afraid of the dark? No, no, honey, I'm not afraid of the dark. Oh, Daddy, are you afraid of snakes? Nothing. Well, honey, I, I try to respect them, but I'm not afraid of them. Well, Daddy, are, are, you, are you afraid of monsters under the bed? No, honey, I'm not afraid. And so she just goes through this whole checklist of, of things that she's fearful of, just making sure that her daddy's not fearful. And finally, you can kind of tell she gets to the end of her list of all maybe the things that she's thinking about that she's afraid of, and she kind of, <sighs> Daddy, you must be the bravest man in the whole wide world. You're not afraid of nothing except mommy, right? <laughs> well, we all have fears, right? We all have fears. It's, it's one of the things that, that we get to deal with. And that's kind of the, uh, the, the premise of this series is that, is that since the, 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 the fall, that there are things in this sin-scarred world that, that all of us have to learn to deal with. And one of those is the reality of fear. But I do want you to make sure that you understand that the, the connection that the fear in man followed the fall of man that, that fear in, in its negative sense is not something that God originally designed as part of his creation design it is something that was introduced into creation as a result of the fall because of the the rebellion and, and so that, that that sin is at work within us and it's at work within the world all around us and because of that we're going to have to deal with a lot of the things we're talking about in this series including the reality of fear god must have known that we were going to struggle with fear he must have known how how much of a challenge it was going to be for us those who catalog and count such things tell us that there's at least 365 fear knots in the bible one for every day of the year. And it may be one of those things that's just a reminder of how prevalent fear is. And, and there may be things that trigger fear in you that, that don't trigger fear in somebody else. Uh, and, and we all deal with fear in different ways. It comes in different shapes and sizes. Different seasons and stages of your life may introduce new fears into your life along the way. And the challenge is, how, how do we as followers of Christ, deal with these fears. And I want to suggest to you kind of the basic premise I'm operating from is simply this. As a child of God, and this is not for everybody, but as a child of God, one who is in Jesus Christ, who is born again through Jesus Christ, as a child of God, we have all the necessary resources, all the necessary resources to adequately deal with fear in our lives. Let that... Just soak in a minute. Let's marinate on that for just a moment. As a child of God, we have all the necessary resources to adequately deal with fear in our lives. Fear is a reality, but the, also part of that reality is as a child of God, we have all the necessary resources to adequately deal with this fear in our lives. So what I want to do is maybe start off and let's kind of talk about a description of fear before we, we press into how to deal with it along the way. The first thing that I want you to note is that when you come to the scripture and talk about fear, fear can be positive. Fear can be an appropriate thing. In fact, as we are told 
to fear God. We are told that that is a hallmark of one who is wise. It is an appropriate response for those who have been created by God. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That we are to live, it is appropriate for us to live with a reverential awe, a holy fear, if you will, of God in, in all of his holiness, particularly as we understand our sinfulness, then we recognize what that does, and we our dependence upon the, the, the shed blood of Christ. And so we, we appropriately have a, a awe, a reverential fear of God. That fear is appropriate. It is foundational, honestly, for dealing with fear in our lives. But the reality of living in a sin-scarred world is there are some things in this world that are just flat-out dangerous. Uh, there are things that, that we just have to acknowledge. This, this is dangerous. This is threatening. This is something that I should be afraid of. Again, to the wisdom of Proverbs, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. That wisdom dictates there are some things that I'm aware of. That's dangerous. I need to protect myself. I need to take appropriate steps to, to insulate myself as best I can from that danger. So there, there are some things in a sin scar world where fear can serve us well. There are some things we should be aware are dangerous and take appropriate steps to respond to. But the fear that we're really talking about here is the fear that is negative. It's destructive. Fear that can be destructive. It, it's kind of the, a mental image of what we don't want to happen. I fear this. I fear this might happen. I fear they may do this. I fear uh, the economy will do this, or my job will do that, or my health will do that. We have all of these mental images that sometimes we, we carry around or we begin to think about that we don't want to happen. Some synonyms might be anxiety or worry or dread. These are all kind of part of that fear package, if you will, that, that imagery of this is what I don't want to have happen. And, and I carry that with me and I carry it into the various uh, avenues and relationships of my life. And, and this, is, this is the type of fear that, that's not a part of God's design for us. This is not how God wants us to live and to operate. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. That, that God doesn't want us to live our lives dominated by this fear. To the Philippians, Paul wrote, do not be anxious about anything. Don't let those, those negative, those, those, those worrisome images of what you don't want to have happen dominate your thinking. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is that, that negative, destructive fear is not part of God's design for us. Why? Because God knows. God knows what fear does. He knows the dangers of fear. And you might even want to write out in the margin that fear is a thief. Fear is a thief. Fear robs us of the best of ourselves. I will not live my best life possible. I will not be the best version of me. I will not fulfill God's purpose 
purposes for me if fear dominates my life. Perhaps you've read some of the, the, the studies and the surveys, the interviews that have been done uh, now. Many of them have been done through the years of, of folks who were uh, 85, 90, and beyond. And they were asking them to reflect back on their life. And, you know, kind of what are the points of celebration? What would you change and that sort of thing? And different surveys kind of highlight different things. But one of the consistent themes has been all these surveys and interviews. People look back and they said, I wish I had risked more. I wish I had risked more. What keeps you from taking some appropriate risk? Fear. Fear. It will rob you of the best of yourself. It will rob you of the best for others. That you won't be able to bring your best to a relationship. You will not be able to bring your best to other people if fear is dominating in your life. Fear will keep you from connecting. Fear will keep you from opening up your life. Fear will keep you from being humble and transparent. Fear will keep you from from reaching out in love because you're fearful of rejection or whatever it may be. Fear robs us of the best of ourselves. It robs us of the best for others. We can't be our best for others if fear dominates and fear robs us of the best from God. That if fear is dominant in my life, that it will keep me from experiencing God's best. It will keep me from experiencing the things that God wants to do in me and through my life. You see, fear isolates us from God. Faith connects us to God. Fear tends to isolate me from God, from his provision, from his promises, from his purposes. And when I live in fear, I don't walk in faith. I don't step out in faith. And when you look at Scripture, when you look at the history of the church, God moves powerfully, not through people who are dominated by fear, but people who walk by faith. doesn't mean they don't feel the fear. It means that they don't allow that to dominate or control their life. And so I want to spend the rest of our time talking about how do I deal with my fear? Because that's kind of what we're talking about in this series. And as we, we think about that, I want to direct your attention in just a moment to Matthew 6. But to kind of set the context for that, Gus D'Amato was a renowned trainer of boxing champions. And one of his expressions was this, heroes and cowards feel exactly the same fear. Heroes just react differently. They feel exactly the same fear. They just react differently. Here's what I want to make sure that I'm I'm clearly communicating today. When I'm talking about dealing with fear, I'm not saying don't feel fear because that's not going to happen. We're all going to experience fear. We're all going to feel fear. We're all going to have fear that that confronts us at different seasons and different ways in our lives. Feel that fear, but choose your response. Choose how you respond to it. When Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, as is recorded for us early in Matthew's gospel, he covered such a wide range of topics. When you get to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, he's talking about anxiety or worry or fear, as we're talking about it here. I just want to read these words, and then I want to just set before you kind of three pillars that will be foundational before we get into the rest of the the, the teaching outline there. Verse 25 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, 
Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, let me pause there. I just want to encourage you, maybe in the, in the, in the side uh, of your margins there somewhere, you might want to just uh, list these three pillars because we've just read a series of scriptures. I want to make sure that you don't miss kind of these foundational pillars that everything else I'm going to talk about is built on. The first pillar is, if I'm going to adequately deal with fear, I need to fear God. I need to have that reverential all of God. When, when I have that in place, it equips me to deal with every other fear in my life. In fact is, if you have the right fear of God, you won't spend a lot of time in fear of man. If you have the right fear of God, you won't spend a lot of time fearful about a lot of things in your life. The fear of God is a foundation to living and dealing with fear. The second pillar of that foundation is pray. Pray instead of worry. So, that Philippians passage says, don't be anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But it only happens when you respond in prayer. You respond in prayer. So when worry comes, when fear starts to well up, let that be a signal. Let that be a trigger. Let me replace this anxiety. Let me replace this worry. Let me replace this fear with prayer. So I begin with a reverential awe, reverential fear of God. I continue to practice prayer instead of worry. And then the third thing is what Jesus just said in Matthew, and that is put first things first. When I set my mind, set my life to seek him and his kingdom first, when I say, God, your agenda, your purposes, your plans are the first priority in my life. When I put those first things first, then God helps me to align all of those other things. Then the anxiety and the worry of all of those other things begins to dissipate in my life. But if those things are front and center, instead of seeking God and his kingdom and his ways, then they begin to cloud my thinking. They begin to grip my heart with fear. So those three pillars that I'll just encourage you to make sure are in place, even as we'll build on those right now, reverential fear of God, the appropriate fear of all of God, prayer instead of worry, and then first things first, seeking God and his kingdom first. With those three pillars in place, then there's some, I think, practical things we can do that will help us to deal with fear. And the first is, remember who you are. 
remember who you are. Romans puts it this way, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Well, well, one of the things that can so help me is just to remember who I belong to. Who, who am I? I am, if I am in Jesus Christ, I am a beloved child of God. I don't have to live with a spirit of fear. I don't have to live with a spirit of slavery. But, but I have this freedom because I belong to him. You might also want to just write as the, the reference in your margin, 1 John 4.18. 1 John 4.18, perfect love love cast out fear. When I understand the perfection of God's love for me, it wasn't based on my performance. It's not based on how good I am today, but on his perfect love for me, it cast out fear. I'm not trying to earn God's love. I'm already beloved. I'm not trying to earn God's accepted acceptance. I'm already accepted in Jesus Christ. When that is in place, then I can remember who I am. And when I understand that I am a beloved child of God, it gives me such a great platform for dealing with any fear that may come into my life. Remember who you are. Maybe just to come back, nothing will ever be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I just come back and remind myself of who I am and the promises that I have in Jesus Christ. And then I'm going to encourage you to name your fears. Name your fears. To, to drag those things out into the light. And many of you have heard me teach through the years, oh, what one of, my, one of my core convictions is that bad things grow in the dark, right? Bad things grow in the dark, that you need to drag those things out into the light. And here's what happens to a lot of us when it comes to fear. We, we, we deal with kind of this nebulous sense of fear, this nebulous sense of worry, kind of this, this general uh, ambiance, if you will, of, uh, of fear and anxiety and worry in our lives. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is to get as specific as you can. Exactly what am I thinking right now? Exactly what am I fearful of? I mean, name that thing so that you begin to kind of drag it out of the dark and drag it into the light. And then when you get it out there in the light where you've kind of named, I'm worried about paying the bills. I'm worried about the choices my child is making. I'm worried about this relationship. I'm worried about this in my health. I'm worried about whatever it is that you're worried about. I'm fearful that this is going to happen. As you begin to name that, lay a a question that the Lord asked Abraham way back in Genesis. Is anything too hard for the Lord? In that context, in Genesis 18, God's given Abraham this promise that he's going to be the father of many nations, but they don't even have a, a biological heir. And God promises him. He promises him. Even though it seems impossible, Abraham's thinking, it's not going to happen. I'm too old. Sarah's too old. All these things. And God just visits him and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? What I'm just going to encourage you to do is to get whatever it is in the dark and drag it out into the light. Name it. This is what it is. And then just lay that fear alongside this Lord and just ask, is this too hard for the Lord? Is this relationship too hard for the Lord? Is this financial challenge too hard for the Lord? Is this health challenge too hard for the Lord? Is what's going on in the life of my child or my grandchild too hard for the Lord? Is what's happening with my parents too hard for the Lord? It, it, whatever it is, is anything too hard for the Lord. And why is that important? 
because it puts it against the backdrop of the size of our God. If we just focus on the size of our problems, fear begins to engulf us. But if we see that problem against the backdrop of the size of our God, it helps to kind of right-size that problem and helps us to push beyond the fear. So I remember who I am. I am a beloved child of God if I am in Christ Jesus. And then you get very specific and name your fears. Just drag them out of the dark, get as specific as you can, bring them into the light, and then lay them before the Lord with that question is anything too hard for the Lord. And then choose your focus. Choose your focus. That we can choose those things that we focus on, where we fix our thinking and our thoughts. And I'll just suggest some things for you to focus on. One of the first things is today. To focus on today. The very next verse in the Sermon on the Mount from those that we just read is verse 34. Therefore, Jesus said, in light of everything he's just said, don't worry about, in light of seeking first the kingdom of God, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Sometimes we borrow trouble from tomorrow, don't we? Or we keep dragging trouble with us from from the past. And the encouragement of Scripture is today. Today is what you have. This moment is what you have. Let the core of your focus be on this moment, the activity of God, the calling of God, the presence of God in this moment, today today. Someone wrote these words, God has revealed himself to us as the great I am. If I choose to live in the past, I will not find him there. His name is not I was. If I choose to live in the future, I will not find him there. His name is not I will be. If I choose to trust him today, I will find him there for his name is I am. I am today. This moment, this moment's the only moment you can trust him in. This moment is the only moment you can walk in obedience. This is the moment that he has entrusted to you. Will you trust him in that moment? To focus on today. Focus on the things you can control. Focus on the things that you can control. There, there are so many things. I, yeah, I can't control what the president's going to tweet, right? I, I, I can't. I can't control the weather. I can't control so many things. There are so many things I can't control. I wish I could control a lot of those things, right? I can't. What God says, focus on what you can control. One of my great reminders for that uh, comes uh, toward the end of John's gospel. And Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he's, he's kind of told Peter, Peter, this is, this is what's going to happen to you. This is kind of what's going to unfold in your life. And he's thinking, maybe this isn't such a good deal. Well, maybe John's going to get a better deal. Maybe I'd like to kind of trade up to John's deal. And so he says, hey, what about him? And, and Jesus responds, if it is my will that he will remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter, you don't control what I'm going to do with John. You don't even control what John's going to do in response to that. That's not your realm. Those are things God the Father will control. Those are things that John has stewardship over. 
you, you follow me. Sometimes we want to focus on what about that? What about that? Will they do this? Will they do that? Or what about, can't control it. God, this is what you have given me stewardship over. This is what you have given me responsibility over. Help me to focus there. You focus on today. You focus on the things that you can control, but focus on God's presence. Focus on the presence of God. Joshua was taking over the leadership reins from Moses. Talk about a difficult assignment. How would you like to be the guy who has to succeed Moses? Talk about huge shoes to fill, right? And now he's got to lead this people who have never kind of done what he's leading them to do. So not only is Moses not there and he's the the successor, but he's got to take them into this land and they've never done this before. So leading uh, as a new leader, following Moses into uncharted territory and in the midst of that God knows God knows he's going to deal with fear and so God uh, speaks into Joshua's life about his fear have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed now now here's the thing why why is God telling this because Joshua you're so gifted Because, Joshua, you're so talented. Because, Joshua, you have such great training. Joshua, everybody loves you. You just have a wonderful, winsome personality. None of that. The reason for Joshua to be strong and courageous and not be frightened is for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a fear-conquering focus. When I remember that he is with me. In the middle of this mess, he's with me. In the middle of this storm, he is with me. In the middle of this uncertainty, he is with me. The Lord, my God, is with me wherever I go. But if I just focus on my problems, if I focus on the things I can't control, I'll miss the presence of God. And so I choose to focus on today. I choose to focus on the things that I can control. I choose to focus on the fact that God is alive, God is active. God is with me. Choose your focus. But as you face the inevitable fears of life, can I encourage you to join hands with others? Join hands with others. It is incredibly important. You say, Jeff, you're talking about kind of doing these things. It seems like, you know, as we started through this series, that you keep talking about, you know, connecting with others or whatever it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have why am I doing that? Because hear me again. God designed us to be dependent on Him and interdependent with each other. Dependent on Him and interdependent with each other. We need each other. God's original creation design was that we need one another. And so we are to join hands with each other. Ecclesiastes is uh, still one of my favorite passages around this theme because it just, I love the word pictures here. Two are better than one. 
because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. There was a, a story out of the, the civil rights era in our country, a very challenging and difficult time for our country. So many of the schools had been segregated, and there was this designed attempt to integrate the schools. And what that did in part was it forced some people together that had never been together before, particularly uh, whites and blacks. And at one elementary school where segregation was taking place, there were a lot of fearful moms, as you can no doubt understand. And there were two little girls that found themselves in the same classroom for the very first time, a little white girl and a little black girl. And their moms were very, very anxious, worried about what was going to happen, how they were going to react, how they were going to be treated, all of those things. And as the girls came home, the mothers had basically the same question, how did it go, is everything okay? And the girls had such a great response. They said, well, I, we sat beside this girl, and we were both so scared that we held hands all day long. All day long. When you face fear, when you face those overwhelming fears, God did not design you to do it alone. Then we are to do it in community. We are to do it connected to the body of Christ. We are to do it in partnership with others. There are times when anxieties or worries they they come in those waves and they come in overwhelming proportions fear such a strong headwind that we feel like we can't stand and in those moments we need people to stand with us we need people to encourage us to infuse us with courage and so i'm going to encourage you don't go it alone yes god is with you but he has also given you others to stand with you as you face your fears. Join hands with others. And then the fifth thing I'll just encourage you to do, again, building on those kind of three foundational pillars, is take action. Take action. To take action, to actually do what God has called you to do. Sometimes when we face fear, we freeze or we, we pick a fight or we run away in flight or whatever it may be. But, but the better response is to take that positive step of action, a positive step of obedience. So again, let me take you back to Joshua and this transition as he's taking over the realms of leadership. Not only was he encouraged to focus on the presence of God, but he was encouraged to take action. Action. Only be strong and very courageous. And notice the underline. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, meditate on it day and night, so that... 
you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Notice those phrases, being careful to do, being careful to do according to all that is written in it. Joshua, it's not enough just to know those things. It's not even just enough to know that I am with you. But you have to do. You have to take action. Society tends to emphasize feelings. The Bible emphasizes obedient action. The society tends to tell you, hey, do what you feel like. Do what you feel is right. Well, I, I just didn't feel like it today, and so I didn't do it. Or I just kind of lost my motivation or whatever it may be. But the Bible doesn't command feelings. The Bible commands faith-filled, obedient action. Take the action. Take the action. Please understand what I'm saying to you this morning. I am not telling you if you do these things, fear will dissipate and disappear. No, 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 no. You will feel the fear. But what Scripture says is that even in the face of fear, you can take obedient action. You can do what God has called you to do. Even, even non-biblical sources recognize the power of taking action in the face of fear. Emerson said, do the thing you fear and the death of fear is certain. When you take that step, when you, you move out in obedience, when you take action, it begins to diminish fear in your life. What we're talking about is living with courage. And courage is not the mastery, is not the, is the mastery of fear. Excuse me. It's not the absence of fear. It is not that fear is going to, to disappear. Fear is always going to be present. It's just I can master it. I can master it because of God. I can master it because of the resources that God has made available to me as his child. And so I, I want to ask you kind of this, this question, just keep it before us. Will we? Because we will. We will live our lives dominated by fear, or by faith. The bottom line comes down to which will I choose? And I have to choose it again every single day. I have to choose it sometimes in the face of ever-changing circumstances. Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew, Bill Bright probably shared the gospel personally tens of thousands of times. He equipped hundreds of thousands of people to share their faith. He, he was such a, an incredible man of faith and vision. He was behind the, uh, the, this, this movement of Campus Crusade that has touched college campuses across the nation, across the world. Had the vision for the Jesus film long before making Christian films was anywhere uh, in vogue at all. And that film is still being used on the mission field all over the world. And people are still coming to Christ as, as they see this film. A man of incredible faith, incredible vision, incredible uh, passion. But I, I read something that's just always, always encouraged me and marked me with Bill Bright. He said, you know, no matter how many times I have shared Christ, I still feel fear every time I get ready to share Christ. I still feel that fear, but I go ahead and do it anyway. Because I know God is there. I know God's at work. I take that action in obedience to God. Not because I feel like it, because quite honestly, I feel like doing exactly the opposite. I still feel fear every time 
I go to share Christ. Please hear me. When we talk about deal with fear, we're not talking about getting rid of fear in your life. You're going to deal with fear. It may change. The fears may change at different seasons of your life. It's just how can I deal with that fear? Am I going to let fear dominate my life? Or am I going to let faith dominate my life? General George Patton was interviewed and a military governor was just praising his gallant and courageous acts. The general replied with a swallow, Sir, I am not a brave man. The truth of the matter is I am usually a coward at heart. I have never been in the sound of gunshot or sight of battle in my whole life that I was not afraid. I constantly have sweat on my palms and a lump in my throat. Fear. But Patton would go on to write a few years later, I learned very early in my life not to take counsel of my fears. I'm going to feel that fear. No matter how many times he had been in battle, he still felt that fear. But he chose not to let it dominate his life. That's the choice that you and I can make. That's what we can do as a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to back up. There was a question on your outline, and I want to just return to that. We, we, we moved through it real quick, and we talked about focusing on God's presence The question is, is there a sovereign God who holds my life in the palm of his hand or not? And if so, can he be trusted? And that is such a crucial question for you and I to wrestle with and just to come back and and in a sense revisit every day. Is there a God who is sovereign over the universe or not? Is there a God who holds my life in the palm of his hand or not? Some of you may have learned, uh, uh, even as a child, a song, he's got the whole world in his hands. Is that true or not? Is God sovereignly reigning over all of creation? Is God in charge of the universe? If he is, can he be trusted? Can he be trusted? And if he can be trusted... Why would you ever let fear dominate your life? And so I'm just going to ask you as we move toward a close to imagine with me for just a moment. Imagine what it would be like if every single day of your life you started living with the conviction that greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. What if every single day of your life You began to face every challenge, every opportunity, every relationship, every problem, every struggle, every new thing that God put in front of you, or an old thing. Maybe it's it's something that's blowing you out of the water, or it's just a long, hard obedience in the same direction. What if you faced every one of those with that conviction, God is with me, and God is for me? 
My guess is it would transform the way that some of us live. If we just began to approach every single day. In fact, as I challenged the first service, I just said, listen, just take, take an, do, do an experiment. Do an experiment here for the, for the next week. Just, just get up every morning and just try to keep it in front of yourself, whether it's first thing in the morning or when you're looking in the mirror or put it on your refrigerator or where, however it will remind you on your computer screen or whatever. Just to, to say, at first thing in the morning, God, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God, today I'm going to live like you are with me and you are for me because that's what the Bible says is absolutely true for every child of God. You and I get to choose. Will we live our lives dominated by fear or dominated by faith? God is with you. He is for you. You can live like it this week. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. Oh, Father, how we thank you and praise you that you are the God who is with us and the God who is for us. And God, even, even though there's so many crazy things in the world, Father, that, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, Father, I just, I pray right now, you know every one of us in this room. You know what we are facing. You know what we will face. You know, you know the anxiety that creeps in, the worry that chokes the life out of us. You know the fear. And Father, you don't, you don't want us to live dominated by that. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray today, would you return us to the foundations? Father, would you help us to live with a a reverential fear of a holy God? To give you your appropriate first place in our life, in our love, in our affections. Father, I, I just ask, Lord, would you teach us to use worry and fear as a trigger to pray? to take everything to you with thanksgiving and allow your peace that surpasses all understanding to guard our hearts. Oh, Lord, remind us of who we are in you. We are the beloved. Remind us of where we can choose to focus. Remind us to join hands with others and take those obedient steps. Father, would you free us Free us to live lives not dominated by fear, but dominated by faith. And as you just sit before the Lord right now.